सहनावतु सहनौ भुनक्तु सहवीर्यंकवाहै तेजस्वीनावधीतमस्तु मिद्विषावहै ओ नमश्रीशंकरानंद नमश्रीशंकरानंद गुरुपादाबुजन्मने गुरुपादाबुजन्मने सविलास महामोह सविलास महामोह ग्राहग्रासकर्मणे डिस्कसिंग दि उपासना मेडिटेशन इट वॉज सेड इन द वर्ड्स एटी दट उपासना और मेडिटेशन डिपेंड्स अपॉन दी विल ऑफ द पर्सन एंड दैट बींग द केस इट ऑलवेज रिक्वायर्स ए सेल्फ एफर्ट therefore the self effort should anisham should constantly be done so that one you know it goes on continuously to such an extent that even in the dream also the same meditation continue just as for the one who is constantly reciting the vedas and find himself reciting the dream or the one who is constantly doing japa the mental repetition find himself doing that in the dream because of the samskara because of the habit being rooted and so also the meditation also can be such as it can continue even in the may continue even in the dream virodhi pratyam tatva nairantarin bhavayan meditation involves constantly uh, bringing the mind back if the mind gets distracted from the object of meditation constantly bringing it back and by this this kind of effort meditation requires three aspects dirga kala nairantaryam and adara according to yoga shastra meditation or whenever you want to concentrate to attain that concentration three things are required nairantaryam it should be done constantly then dirga kala dirga kala means it must be done for a long time so it is not that we just do a few minutes a day and do it for a long time but constantly you do it at the same time not just do it for a few days but do it for a length of time and adara do it with enthusiasm or do it with do it with involvement so adara so nairantaryam dirghakala and adara adara also means respect with devotion with commitment it should be done so it should be done constantly for a great length of time and with commitment and dedication it should be done then one gains a, a in abundance <clears throat> so this is how the vasana or the samskaras will become stronger and stronger and that is how one will that the samskaras when they become stronger then it will go on continuously <clears throat> okay then the questions are being asked how is it possible to you say that we should continue we should perform this meditation constantly but how is it possible to perform the meditation when we are engaged in our day to day activities so then also it is possible 
and the illustration was given how a person constantly thinks of one's lover and all the pleasures that one had with that person, how it is possible to think of someone we love. In spite of doing our day-to-day activities, how it is possible to, that the mind may think of something else. And similarly also, it is possible to think of, possible to even focus one part of the mind on the object of meditation, even when outwardly this day-to-day activities are being performed. It is true that the quality of the action that you perform will suffer. It will be done indifferently. If you have, if your mind is engaged in meditation also, then the activity that you perform at the outer level will be performed all right by force of habit, but then it will not have the same quality as that of the one who is dedicated to activity. That is true. And then was shown the difference. Like in the verse 86 it was shown how a housewife who is dedicated to the household work pays total attention to that and how she is able to do it, her job very well. Whereas another woman who is not committed to this work and her mind is elsewhere, then she keeps thinking of that thing and she does do the household duty, but those household duties are only done indifferently. They are not done uh, with concentration or not done wholeheartedly. So yes, for the meditator, the actions that I perform are going to be performed somewhat indifferently, whereas for the one committed to action, they'll be performed thoroughly. And here, in contrast, also is given the condition of a wise man who abides in the knowledge. So even for a wise man also, the actions are performed thoroughly because the knowledge does not require any specific effort of the mind Knowledge of self does not require any specific effort of the mind, and therefore it is possible to perform one's duties thoroughly without being distracted. In short, meditation becomes a distraction to the household duties or day-to-day duties, or the day-to-day duties can become the obstruction to meditation also, because meditation also is an action, a mental action, and performing other chores are also action. So one action can contradict another action. Whereas knowledge of self is not an action, and therefore it does not contradict the activities that you perform. Thus, a, a wise person can perform the activities with proper attention, perform the activities thoroughly, and that is the illustration given here. Evam dhyanaikanishthopi lesha laukigam Evam in this manner, Dhyanik and Istihavars 87 said that one who is committed to meditation, Lesha Laukikamacharet. So one who is committed to meditation performs the task only sort of in a minimum way, in a, super, in a superficial way. Whereas Tattvavit, meaning one who is wise, is able to perform the tasks very well because he doesn't require a specific effort because self being self-shining, no specific effort is required to retain your knowledge because it is your own self. And therefore, the knowledge of self is not opposed to action, whereas meditation is opposed. This is the point that is being made. See, in, in all this discussion, the author seeks to do, I mean, seeks to reveal something about the nature of, see, even while discussing meditation, the contrast is given in places. 
contrast with knowledge is given and thereby the nature of knowledge also is clarified. So even in the process of talking about meditation, the knowledge also is understood as to how self being self-effulgent and that point is further discussed. How therefore, as far as vyavahara or one's activities are concerned, that knowledge does not in any way obstruct the activities. <coughs> in fact, a wise man can perform the activities very well. Why? That is what is shown in verse 88. Aviruddhattva meva darshayari. How come the knowledge of self is not opposed to the, the activities for the wise man? How is it so? That is answered in the verse 88. Maya maya prapanchoyam Maya maya prapanchoyam Atma chaitanya rupadhraka Atma chaitanya rupadhraka Iti bodhe virodhah kaha Iti bodhe virodhah kaha Laukika vyavaharinah Laukika vyavaharinah Mayamaya prapanchoyam Mayamaya prapayamatma chaitanya rupadhuk iti bodhe. So the wise man has this knowledge. What is the knowledge? Mayamaya prapanchoyam. I am prapanchaya. This world is mayamaya. Is only of the nature of maya or product of maya. Meaning this knowledge involves the knowledge of both the elements Brahma satyam jagan mitya. That the Atma is Satya. Atma, the Self, is Brahma and it is Satyam, Truth, whereas Jagat, everything other than Atma is Mithya. So, when, when this is known, that Maya Maya Prapanchoyam, this Prapancha or this creation is Maya Maya, a product of Maya, meaning it is Mithya. So, Maya is a cause and the Mithya is a effect. The cause of the creation is Maya and what is the nature of creation? Mithya. Atma, Chaitanya Rupa Dhruk. And what is the nature of the self? Chaitanya Rupa Dhruk. One who is the nature of Chaitanya or awareness. Iti Bodhe Sati. When this knowledge is there, Laukika Vyavaharinaha Ko Virodha. What Virodha or what contradiction can there be or what obstacle can there be in performance of one's day-to-day activities? Because you are performing the activities knowing that this world is mithya. And so, the idea is that he knows the world as mithya, that mithya atvam, mithya world is not opposed to atma, that is satya. See, mithya is not opposed to satyam. Satyam is truth. On the other hand, compare the, compare the case of a meditator or person who performs meditation. There, Either the person performs the activities outside or performs the activities in the mind, because meditation also is an activity, and the other performing day-to-day activities are also action. So one action can oppose the other action. When one action takes place, the other action may not take place. And that's the reason why the action, our vyavahara or our activities become in fact obstacles to what we want to do. Because we want to focus our mind elsewhere and the vyavahara, the activities require that my mind be focused in the, in the activities and that is where the opposition comes. Whereas, when there is a knowledge that all this vyavahara is mithya, 
it doesn't, you know, that the prapancha is mitya, and atma is satya. In that case, the satya atma is never negated. One action can displace another action, but mitya does not displace satyam. And therefore, the mitya prapancha, the mitya world, does not displace the self who is satya, meaning the self shines even when the world shines. That the meditative mind, that vritti may not shine when the external action vritti shines, because both enjoy the same degree of reality, whereas in this case, self being real, satyam, it shines whether the world shines or not. And therefore, the awareness of the self is not lost even while performance of the activities. And that is, that point is being elaborated by author himself. How come? Just because the world is mithya, how come it does not pose any opposition or contradiction to the knowledge? Or the knowledge does not oppose in any way the vyavahara in the mithya world? How is it so? That is explained in the verse 89. Apekshate vyavahrutihi Apekshate vyavahrutihi Naprapanchasya vastudam Naprapanchasya vastudam Napyatma jadyam kintvesha Napyatma jadyam kintvesha Sadhana nyeva kaangshadi Sadhana nyeva kaangshadi Apekshade vyavahrudhi Naprapanchasya vastudam How come this vyavahara Vyavahara means a transaction Vyavahara means transaction Or the activities that you have to perform that transaction, this daily transaction, all these activities, prapanchasya vastutam na apekshade, it is not necessary that the world should, has to be real in order for me to conduct my transaction with the world. That I can conduct the transaction of the world knowing that it is unreal. Meaning, the vyavahara of the transaction does not in any way come in the way of the reality. It is not that the world has to be real and then alone I can perform the vyavahara. That vyavahara or the transaction or the activity or the, inter- or the interaction. The interaction of the world does not require that the world has to be real. Nabi atma jadyam. Nor does the inter- interaction of the world require that the atma be jada or atma be unconscious or atma be inert. Even that also is not required. Had that been required, meaning that Atma had to be unconscious, then alone you could interact with the world. Or that the world had to be real and then only you could interact with the world, then yes, one reality would displace other reality. If world were real and Atma is real, world were, world were also real, then when you are with the world, you will not be with the Atma. If both are the same degree of reality. But this is like the wave and the water. That wave does not in any way oppose, does not displace water. And therefore, even when you are focusing your attention on the wave, your attention remains on the water nevertheless because the water is real or satyam and the wave is mitya. And therefore, even if the wave breaks or whatever happens to the wave, the water is not displaced. And similarly also, whatever you do in terms of your day-to-day activities or interact with the world, the self being satyam or the truth is never negated. It is ever self-existent, self-shining, never negated. And therefore, it is not necessary that Atma is to be Jada, 
or inert, all of the world has to be real in order to perform Vyavahara. Kintu, then what do we require? So what, are, what is the requirement for interacting or performing our actions? Sadhanani Kangshadi. To perform action in the world, all that is required are sadhana. Sadhana means the appropriate means are required. So you require the, the necessary ingredients. You require the necessary equipment and necessary resources in order to perform your vyavahara, your day-to-day activities. But performance of day-to-day activities or performance of activities in the world does not, any activity does not require that the world should be real or that the atma should be inert. That is not the requirement. All that is required to carry out any action is whatever are the means required to fulfill an action. Kāni-kāni, vyavahara-sādhanāni, all right. If you say that you require sadhana or the means, and that's all you require for performing vyavahara, kāni-kāni, please tell us, what are those various means, or what are those various, what is the various equipment that is required in order to perform the vyavahara, perform your activities? That is being told in verse 90. Manovakayatadbhasya Manovakayatadbhasya Padartha Sadhananitan Padartha Sadhananitan Tatvavin no Pamrudnati Tatvavin no Pamrudnati Vyavaharosya no Kutaha Vyavaharosya no Kutaha So you must have heard during this last retreat. I am a non-demanding self with some demands. Statement. I am the non-demanding self with some demands. So this is funny. When you say that you are a non-demanding self, how can you have demands? I am a non-demanding self with some demands. Isn't it a contradictory statement? That if you are a non-demanding self, if your self is non-demanding, how can there be demands? How is it possible for the demands to be with a non-demanding self? Would we not expect a, a contradiction of the two, that the demands cannot be when the self is non-demanding? How can there be demands? It looks as though the self should contradict the demands because self is no demands. Or the demands should contradict the self because self is supposed to be non-demanding. How can I be a non-demanding self and simultaneously having some demands? It can only be, only when they enjoy different degree of reality. That the non-demanding self is real, is true. And when the demands are unreal or mithya, mithya does not oppose the satyam. So again and again you will hear this point being made. It is said by some people, that you must eliminate your vasanas. By vasanas we mean the tendencies of the mind, which are rooted, you know. So you must eliminate all your vasanas, then alone the knowledge can take place. But the point is, are vasanas opposed to the self? Is it that the self can be there only when the vasanas are not? Or is it that the non-demanding self can be only when the demands are not? The answer is, that the non-demanding self is in spite of demands. So demands are, the non-demanding self is, 
demands are not, of course the non-demanding self is. The wave is, then also water is. Wave is not, then also the water is. Just as a wave does not in any way displace water or does not contradict water because wave is mithya and water is satyam and so also the demands do not in any way contradict the non-demanding self. All that one has to know is to realize that the demands belong to the mind, they do not belong to I. Only when one identifies our demands and somehow brings about an interlock between the demand or, or a union between the self and the demand, which union is not possible, but still on account of ignorance, we what we call adhyaropa or superimposition, we bring about that union and then I call proclaim myself as a demanding person. Or I say that these are my demands or I have demands and then I go about fulfilling those demands. You may very well fulfill the demands you wish to. But what is necessary to know is that I, the self, is non-demanding. <coughs> you may feel that perhaps your commitment and responsibilities require that some demand be fulfilled. Go ahead and do them. So that vyavhara or the action of of fulfilling demands which occur in the mind, again is not opposed to the self being non-demanding. So self remains non-demanding whether the demands are there or the demands are not there. This is knowledge. And this is a fact that the Vedantic teachers all the time ask us to see. That understand that all these demands or whatever it is, all of that is in the mind. It is true that in order even to see this fact, you require a certain poise of the mind, you require a leisure of the mind, and therefore the mind should be largely non-demanding, otherwise it is difficult even to see this fact. That is the reason why in a particular session of meditation, a certain atmosphere is created, a certain relaxed atmosphere is created, and the body is made to relax, and mind also is made to relax, and you create a certain atmosphere by chanting, etc., so that mind becomes quiet and essentially non-demanding. At that time, we ask ourselves to see this fact that I am non-demanding in spite of the different modes of the mind. So in the mind, a demand may arise and may go away. But all that happens at the level of mind and in spite of that, I remain, I remain a non-demanding person. And still they tell us that you should essentially give up the demands. Why, why are we told? Because a non-demanding mind also is required in order to be objective. So in order to see this fact that the self is non-demanding, we also require a mind that is non-demanding. But then the mind may never become totally non-demanding. And then also, when it is essentially non-demanding, you can see this fact that if the self is non-demanding, then in the course of time, in the wake of the knowledge, the mind will become totally non-demanding. The idea is that by analysis and by vivek or discrimination, we can essentially eliminate most of the demands, except some subtle demands will remain and they will go only when you gain the knowledge of self, meaning when you gain that happiness of the self, then the need for any other kind of happiness will go away and the demands will drop off. But the point is, the self is not opposed to any condition of mind. Self is not opposed to any condition of the world. Self is not opposed to any condition of Vyavahara. And therefore, the vyavahara can go on, the actions can go on, and still the wise man knows that I am a non-demanding self, or I am a free, I am the free self. <coughs>
So then the question was, Kanitani Vyavahara Sadhanani. What are these sadhanas or what are the various resources you require in order to perform your activities? Manova, Kayatad, Bhashya, Padarsaha. What you require is mind. Vak meaning speech. Speech means organs of action. So vak means all the organs. What you require is a mind. You require speech and other organs of action and organs of perception. Kaya, you require the body. Tad, Bhashya, Bhashya, Padarsaha. And you require the external resources as well. So in order to perform any action, you require the resources of one's own self as well as we require resources outside. What are the resources required from me? The body, the organs of action, organs of perception and the mind. Plus we require some other things also, more often than not, tad bhashyaha padasaha Gruhakshetra deha, like a house, like a field, like whatever, tables, chairs, and all these materials are also required. So with the help of this, we can accomplish various tasks. Tan manadins tattvagnani nanivare tattvavit novamrudnati. The tattvavit or the wise man does not in any way interfere with this. So wise man has no need to interfere with the presence of the mind or presence of the body, or the presence of the sense organs, or presence of the objects of the world, or presence of the activities taking place, because they are not opposed to the, the self who is free. <coughs> yes, if you want to meditate, you have to withdraw your mind. In which case, you have to withdraw your attention from this vyavahara. That's the reason why meditation and vyavahara cannot take place simultaneously. Oh, a lot of difficulties will be there. Meditation and these actions cannot take place simultaneously. We find a lot of difficulty. Because for meditation, you must withdraw your mind. While for, for performing your action, your mind must be extra, extrovert. Meaning, it must be with the things. So mind cannot be simultaneously with the things as well as withdrawn. And that's the reason why we have a lot of difficulty in doing work at the same time, paying attention, meditation. Now understand, when you want to do some chanting, that is also a kind of meditation. Wherever any application of mind is required, call it meditation. And we have a lot of difficulty in doing that. Swamiji, when I am doing my work, how can I do chanting? How can I do japa? How can I meditate? You cannot do that. Or you find it very difficult because, particularly if your work requires attention, then it is not possible for the mind to pay attention in two places. If your work is such that it doesn't call for a great deal of attention, then perhaps you can do that while your mind also maintain that thread of its japa or meditation. But if your work is such that it requires an application of mind, then it is possible, difficult for the mind to do two things and we should rather not attempt to do that. Because if we try to at one time pay attention to two things, then we are training our mind to distract we ourselves are training the mind to get distracted from one to the other and there to here. And therefore, best is when you are performing activity which requires our attention, it is best that we pay our attention to that activity. You may become so familiar with your actions that without your great attention also they can be performed. Well, at that time, you can definitely, in your mind, dwell upon whatever you want to dwell upon. But otherwise, you cannot pay full attention in two places. 
But that is not the case with knowledge, with the wise man, because he doesn't require to focus his attention any, in any particular place in order to remain wise, because, as I said, the self is self-effulgent, and therefore the awareness of the self does not go away even when there is awareness of the outside world. Vyavaharaha sinam kutaha asya jnanaha vyavaharaha kutona bhavati. Then, how is it not possible that this wise man should continue his vyavahara? Bhavatyeva, in fact, it, it, it does happen. A further question is asked. And in this, answering these questions, we get more and more clarity about the nature of knowledge. And also, by the way, nature of meditation. So, in the next verse, the question that is asked is, Nanu Vishaya Anubamardhanepi Tattvida Chittobamardhanam Karyam Question is all right. You say that for a wise man, in order for the wise man to perform the activities, that certainly he cannot afford to withdraw his attention from the body or the mind or the speech or the, the external objects, all right? So let us say that the wise man also requires, in order to perform the activity, you require the external objects, etc. But is it not possible, is it not necessary that the wise man also should have a single-pointed attention upon the self and then alone the knowledge can be retained? So for the knowledge of the self, is it not necessary that the mind must be necessarily focused upon the self, withdrawn from everything else? And then it must be necessarily focused upon the self, and then alone you can retain the self-awareness. Is it not so? Nanu vishaya anubhumardhanevi Even though it is not necessary to destroy the objects, tattvida chittobhumardhanam karyam Even a wise man also will have to withdraw his mind, and wise man also will have to uh, focus his attention upon the self, and then alone he can retain the knowledge. Ityasanche tasakarane tattvavit evanasyad. The author says, no, a meditator has to do that. A wise person doesn't have to do that. Why is it so? Say it in the verse 91. Upamradnati chittam ched. Upamradnati chittam ched. Dhyata saunatu tattvavita. Dhyata saunatu tattvavita na buddhi mardayan drishtaha na buddhi mardayan drishtaha ghata tattvasya vedita ghata tattvasya vedita Upamrudnadi chittam ched asau dhyata If a person is found to withdraw his mind and focus it in some place, then you should know him to be a meditator. Nadu Tattvavit, know for sure that he is not a wise person, meaning he is not Atma Jnani or the knower of the self, he is on the other hand a meditator. If there is a need on the part of that person to withdraw the mind or stop the mind. So if there is a need on the part of the person to withdraw the mind and focus somewhere, even focus upon the self, know that the person is a meditator and not the knower of the self. Because knowledge does not require that you have to withdraw your mind. Knowledge does not require that you have to stop your mind. 
or that you do concentrate your mind, knowledge doesn't require that. Meditation requires. In meditation, you have to concentrate your mind upon a given object of meditation. Never it requires that the mind should be withdrawn from every other thing. In fact, we are told that while you are performing meditation, when other thoughts come, constantly one must be vigilant to remove those other thoughts and maintain that thought channel in the mind. So that is required as far as meditation is concerned because there is a need to maintain the thought flow having one locus or having one object. The self, as we say, is not opposed to any object, not opposed to any situation, and therefore the self-knowledge can be there, or self-awareness is there, even when other kinds of perceptions take place, because we must know here that the self is what we call aparoksha, meaning immediate, and all the other objects of the world are called pratyaksha, or they are only perception immediate. And thus, immediate is not opposed to immediate, or immediate does not displace immediate. The immediate does not displace immediate. How? Because aham, I, is my own nature. It is self-evolvent, self-shining, and known as my very self, is known immediately. Whereas, the objects of the world, like a chair and, and whatever, all these objects are what? These are all immediate objects, meaning they are all idam vrittis. So there is ahamvritti and idamvritti. Idam means this. So all the other thoughts are of the nature of this, whereas the thought which is a self is I. So I is, is, is a paroksha and idam or this is pratyaksha or paroksha and therefore they are not opposed. That's the reason why the awareness of the self remains. Even as we say, even today also awareness of myself is even when I am performing my activities, do I forget myself? Whatever I know myself to be, that knowledge of awareness is always there. When I am talking, then I know I am I'm, I'm the one who is talking. Or I am walking, whatever I am doing, the awareness of I is never lost. That our own experience shows that these activities and even my paying attention to everything else also does not bring about a, a you know, I don't forget myself or awareness of myself never goes away. You know, self-awareness always remains. And so, right now, of course, I know myself as a limited being, so that kind of awareness remains. But when I come to know myself for what I am, that awareness will remain. So self-awareness always remains because self is self-shining. So you do not require a mind to eliminate self, self eliminates itself. <coughs> and therefore, yes, it is true that a seeker of knowledge who is seeking to abide in this knowledge has to make an effort to withdraw the mind and in order to become free from what we call viparita bhavana or dehatamuddhi or obstacles. So obstacles in the form of identification of the body that comes and seems to displace the knowledge of the self and therefore what we call niridhyasanam is required and niridhyasanam means focusing, I mean withdrawing the mind and focusing upon the self is required in order to overcome the, the habit of identifying with the body. So this identification of the body or identification of the mind is so habitual. It is called habitual error. And habitually mind goes back to that identification even when you know the self. Even then also the mind gets distracted because of its habitual identification of the body. You as though forget yourself. It looks and therefore 
at that stage it is necessary to keep on bringing the mind back to the self and slowly and slowly become free from that habit. But once that is gone, once the knowledge is spontaneous, and then the knowledge, spontaneous, no effort is required anymore to, to, to retain the awareness of the self. Upamrudnadiched chittam ched dhyatasau nadu tattvet If you find that this person, he has to stop his mind or withdraw his mind, then he is a meditator and not a knower, a wise man, knower of the self. Nanu tattvidachittam On what ground do we say that the knower of the self does not have to make an attempt to focus the attention of the self? Where do you find that? So you say that in meditation it is necessary to withdraw the mind. Whereas in knowledge it is not necessary to withdraw the mind, so where do you see that? Then says, Na buddhim verita. Says, for example, when you want to know a pot, or when you want to know a chair, or when you want to know any object, is it necessary for you to withdraw your mind? No. The knowledge of objects take place without any specific effort on your part to withdraw your mind. <coughs> Thus we find that when a person gains the knowledge of these objects as a chair and table and the pots and cloths and whatever, then we find that there is no need to, my, to have to focus my attention and withdraw it from everything else. So I am able to see the parts and know them without any specific effort of concentration or stopping of the mind. In short, knowledge doesn't require any effort on the mind because, as we say, jnanam is vastudantram. The knowledge takes place anyway. It is true that my mind should be behind the eyes and then I perceive the part, but for that it is not necessary that I have to withdraw my mind from all of the preoccupation. And so we do not require that kind of a concentration or that kind of a stopping of the mind for knowing parts, etc. And so also we don't require it for knowing the self. <clears throat> then the next question, okay, you gave the illustration of the part knowledge. You said that for gaining the knowledge of part, by knowledge even perception, to perceive the part or perceive the chair, you don't have to do anything with your mind in terms of concentration. But that is not the right kind of an example. Alright. As far as the pot is concerned, it is an external object. It is a gross object. And therefore, it is something very clear. So in order to see the pot, no specific effort is to be made on your part in terms of concentrating your mind. That's okay. Because chair and table, etc. are big gross objects, very tangible objects. So we see them and perceive them without any specific effort on your part in terms of doing something with your mind. Brahmanastu, Atasatvat, Brahma is subtle. These objects of the world are gross. And Drishyaha, they are something that are objectified, they are seen. Brahma on the other hand is subtle. It is a self and therefore, how can you apply the same rule with reference to Brahma? Brahmanastu, Atasatvat. Brahma is not Drishyam, is not something seen. Brahma is not gross, and therefore Brahma is subtler than the subtlest, and therefore 
we say that for gaining, for knowing Brahman, it must be necessary to focus your mind, you know, to withdraw the mind from everything else. So, Brahman is to Arathatvat, Tadnyai, Tadapekshade. This is a question that we say that for, no Brahm, for knowledge of Brahman or for retaining the awareness of the self, it must be necessary that your mind must be withdrawn from every other preoccupation because Brahman is even subtler than the settlers. And therefore, the illustration of part is not an inept illustration. In the Ashimcha, this question is raised and answered. Tasyasva prakashatvena ghatavispashtataratvat says, in fact, it is true that the self is subtle and a part is gross, but on the other hand, it is easier as far as the self is concerned because self or Brahman is self-effulgent. A part actually is not self-evolution and therefore some attempt is required that your eyes must be directed there and that your mind must be behind your eyes and then alone you can perceive the part. But even that kind of an effort is not required in case of self because self is self-evolution. Part is not self-evolution. Part requires that it should be illumined by the self. It should be illumined by the Chaitanya or consciousness. Then alone a part can be known. So how does consciousness illumine the part? Consciousness being reflected in the mind. Then reaches the part. And that mind assumes the form of the part. And that reflected consciousness reveals the part. And so part can be known only when it is revealed. On the other hand, Atma or the self being self-revealing. There is no need to make even a little bit of effort that is required in perceiving the part. Even that kind of an effort is not needed for the knowledge of the self, or to retain the awareness of the self. Tasyasva prakashatvena ghatadavisvastatvat The self is so clear because ever shining, ever effulgent. Chitta nirodhanam na apekshate, naiva apekshate. Therefore, chitta nirodhanam or the need to concentrate the mind upon the self is not required to retain the awareness of the self. That is said in the verse 92. Sakrat pratyayamatrena Sakrat pratyayamatrena Ghatas ched bhasate sada Ghatas ched bhasate sada Svaprakasho yamatmakim Svaprakasho yamatmakim Ghatavachana bhāsate, ghatavachana bhāsate. Sakrut pratye matrena ghatasched bhāsate sada. If by one single effort, if a part shines, meaning the part is perceived, if an object such as a part is perceived by one single effort of perception, svaprakāsaha ayamātma, then this ātma or the self, is self-effulgent. Kim ghatavachyanabhasate. Then why should it not shine? So if a part can shine in our knowledge by one effort, then self is, atma is self-effulgent. And how is it that it should not shine? In fact, atma should always shine. And even the kind of an effort required to know the part, even that effort also is not required. Because it is ever self-shining and one will never lose the awareness of self. As you said, even today also, we do never lose the awareness of self. So one never loses awareness of self because self does not require any effort on our part to reveal itself. 
If self required, our effort to reveal itself, then definitely an effort is required. An object of meditation requires an effort on our part to focus the mind, but the self doesn't require that effort and therefore, for a wise man, no effort is needed in order to retain his identity. Like an actor. An actor, for example, performs a certain role. So an actor performs the role of a beggar and acts as a beggar. Knowing fully well that pramayama prapanchoyam, this beggar is mithya. This begging also is mithya or unreal. And he knows that. And therefore, the vyavahara to perform the begging is not opposed to the actor being a rich person. Actor, actor can be a very wealthy person and still can play the role of a beggar because beggar is unreal and the actor is real. Unreal is not opposed to real. So for an actor to perform the vyavahara of a beggar, it is not necessary that that begging has to be real and then alone he can do. Or the beggar must be real and then alone he can do. All that requires is a costume. And whatever little like, you know, so all he needs is a costume and whatever other facilities are needed, makeup and whatever, in order to do the vyavahara of a beggar. So also, wise man requires his, uh, the body, etc., and other, other material in order to perform vyavahara. So even when he's acting as a beggar, at the back of the mind, awareness of self remains. He never really gives him the dignity of a wealthy person, even when he acts as a beggar. And he may effectively act as a beggar also, but he doesn't forget himself. The identity remains. Otherwise, he's not an actor. Then he's a, he forgets himself, he's no more an actor. Actor is the one who retains his identity. And what effort does he have to make to retain his identity? No, because he knows himself and self being self-effulgent. He doesn't, he doesn't have to make an effort to retain his identity. He can pay full attention to his role of a beggar and still know himself as the wealthy man. <clears throat> because beggar is idam, beggar is out there. It is an objective reality, whether aham, I, is the subjective reality. And therefore that objective reality doesn't oppose the reality that the subject is. Not subjective reality, but the reality that the subject is. And therefore, they are not opposed. <coughs> Yet another question. Nanu Brahmanaha Suprakashatvevi Tad Gocharayaha Buddhivrutteheva so you say that Brahman is self-effulgent, all right. Atma is Brahman, all right. But still the Atma has to be known. See, it is fine that the self is Brahman or, or is free from limitation, is complete. And still it is necessary to know yourself. Then alone you can be called a wise man. So, Brahmanaha Svaprakashatvevi, even though Brahman is self-effulgent, self-shining, tat gocharayaha buddhivrtteheva tattvajnanatvat. Still, just because Brahman is self-shining doesn't mean that you know Brahman. In fact, Brahman has to be known as such. Brahman has to be known as a self. And for that, the buddhivrtti or the jnanavrtti should take place. As we are discussing in the morning, that aham brahmasmi, I am Brahman. That kind of akhandakarvrtti, or a vritti which reveals the self as Brahman, that has to take place. 
The recognition has to come. I have to recognize myself as, as, as free or as complete, as limitless. If that recognition does not come, my being limitless is of no practical use. And therefore, that recognition has to come, there is a tenth man. If the recognition is not that his being tenth man is of no use to him, because he continues to search for the tenth man. And similarly also, that I am limitless is, a, is no use unless I know myself as limitless. And how do I know? That knowledge takes place in the mind. Therefore we say that there is a vritti or that recognition, that buddhi vritti or that the knowledge form is there. So only when this vritti or the knowledge takes place, then alone you call him a wise person or a knower. And every thought form is momentary. Tasyaha chakshanikatvena. Every thought is momentary. It comes and goes. So these thoughts keep on flowing, you know, as, as in, in a sequence, in a series. So even the thought that I am Brahman, when that takes place, then you know the self is Brahman. But that thought also will go away. Because like other thoughts, that thought also is momentary. So punah punaha avasthana apayakshade. Then is it not necessary that you must retain that thought in order to retain the knowledge that you are Brahman? That buddhi vritti, that jnana vritti must constantly be retained in the mind. And thus this kind of a thought must go on, I am Brahman, I am Brahman, I am Brahman. Should not that thought constantly go on? And then alone you can be the knower of Brahman. Because if thought just takes place once, and yourself is revealed as Brahman, and when that thought goes away, again, do you not go back to that old rut and again take yourself to be a limited being? Is it not necessary that this vritti or the thought form, aham brahma or I am Brahman, it must be retained again and again? And therefore, you have to bring your mind back and, and, and bring back that vritti again and again and again, and then only, then only you can be the knower of Brahman. Is it not so? So we would think that it is necessary even for a wise person also to constantly make an attempt to retain that vritti that I am Brahman. And if he retaining that vritti, then how can he act? Because retaining a given vritti always requires an effort. And therefore, you have to withdraw your attention from all other efforts. Therefore, we think that even for a wise man also, the performance of his activities in the world would definitely displace that knowledge or he would not be able to perform the activities because he has to retain that thought form, I am Brahman, constantly because the thought arises and goes away and therefore he must make an attempt to retain that thought. Idi idam chodyam samanam In the beginning the answer is given in a casual manner. That if this is so, well you require that to do with the part also. If you say that with Brahman you require to retain that thought, I am Brahman, to know the part also will require the, to maintain that part thought. And therefore, if you require it for the part, you should require it for Brahman. <coughs> That's the answer that is given in the verse 93. Svaprakashataya kinte Svaprakashataya Tadbuddhis Tattvavedanam Tattva Vedanam Buddhis Chakshananashyedi Buddhis Chakshananashyedi Chodyam Tulyam Ghatadishu Chodyam Tulyam Ghatadishu So the Puru Pakshi is asking this question 
స్వప్రకాశదయాకింతె ఆల్ రైట్ బ్రహ్మని స్వప్రకాశ క్వశ్చన్ బ్రహ్మని స్వప్రకాశం బ్రహ్మని స్వభిభోజన్ సో వోట్ యూ అచీవ్ బై దాట్ తద్బుద్ధిస్తత్వవేదనం ఇట్ ఇస్ నాట్ దట్ ద బ్రహ్మన్ ఇస్ నాలెడ్జ్ బట్ దెన్ దట్ ద నాలెడ్జ్ ఆఫ్ బ్రహ్మన్ విచ్ టేక్స్ ప్లేస్ ఇన్ ద మైండ్ సో ఎ పర్టికులర్ మోడ్ ఆఫ్ మైండ్ విచ్ రివ్యూస్ ద సెల్ఫ్ ఇస్ బ్రహ్మన్ దట్ ఇస్ కాల్ నాలెడ్జ్ ఆల్ రైట్ లెట్ బ్రహ్మన్ విచ్ సెల్ఫ్ విభర్జన్ బట్ దట్ ఇస్ నాట్ అడిక్వేట్ వాట్ ఇస్ ఆల్సో నెసెసరీ ఇస్ దట్ నాలెడ్జ్ దట్ ఐఎమ్ బ్రహ్మన్ అండ్ దట్ వృత్తి ఆర్ దట్ థాట్ దట్ జ్ఞాన వృత్తి అలోన్ ఇస్ కాల్ తత్వవేదనం ఆర్ ద నాలెడ్జ్ ఆఫ్ తత్వ Fine, we accept that. Buddhist kshanasya and every buddhi or every thought form, it arises and then subsides in a moment. And therefore, even that thought also, that aham brahma will subside in a moment. And therefore, we think that you will have to make an attempt to constantly maintain that thought. And therefore, when you say that brahman is self-effulgent, what does it mean? Let brahman be self-effulgent, but that thought that I am brahman, that has to constantly persist. and therefore you have to merely brahman's being self evident is not enough and since the thought is a momentary thought every thought is a momentary thought therefore you have to make an attempt to retain that thought flow in your mind if this is your question then chodyam tulyam ghatadishu then we say that this question is applicable even in the knowledge of a part that all the time you have to retain this thought this is a part this is a part this is a part this is a part then alone the part will be known if we say that for knowledge it is necessary to maintain the vritti then in case of part also you have to maintain so if you say that you have to maintain the thought in case of brahman well you have to maintain that in case of a part also and you don't have to do that it's not that i have to keep on repeating this is a part this is a part i see the part once i recognize it and that's it but is not satisfied then the question is asked here ghatavijnasya kshanikatvebi sakun nischirasya ghatasya sarvada vyavahartum shakyatva this is okay it is true that the part perception or a class perception or a chair perception all those perceptions and knowledges are momentary and therefore it comes and goes moment you turn your attention then another thought takes place turn attention is where yet another thought takes place then the other thought is gone away okay even then sakran nischirasya ghatasya sarvada vyavahartum shakyatva even then like this table once you know that this is stable then every time you are able to whenever it is necessary you are able to perform your vyavahar with the table you know this to be chair and once you know the object of the chair then whenever necessary you are able to do what is necessary with the chair so when you want to sit you know this is a chair and therefore the vyavahar reaction of sitting automatically takes place and therefore he says as far as external objects are concerned we find that even when we recognize them for and just once even that once recognition also is enough to perform any transactions with those objects like the chair or the table and all these objects of the world you need to recognize them once and once you recognize them any time you want you can perform the vyavahara with that tatra chitta sthaira sampadanam aprayojakam and therefore it is not necessary that you must always focus your attention of you know in, in your mind you must always retain the thought this is a part otherwise you will forget the part 
in case of objects such as pot, etc., once you recognize them, you can always perform your vyavahara with them. And therefore, it is not necessary that you have to retain that pot thought constantly in your mind in order to perform the vyavahara with the pot again. And therefore, in case of knowledge of the pot or knowledge of any external object, the need to retain that thought constantly is not there to perform vyavahara. After all, what do we want to do with these objects? We want to perform vyavahara. Vyavahara means we want to perform any transactions with them. We want to use a chair for sitting or for climbing or something like that, you know. And so those things we are able to do without all the time having to think of the chair. Whenever I want chair, I know what the chair is. Whenever I want chair, I can pick it up. I can do what I want to do with it. So in case of objects such as chairs, it is not necessary that you have to constantly retain the chair thought. But in case of Atma, you will require that. In case of self, you will require it. In case of an external object such as chair, you don't require it. The answer is, Atmani Samanam. Same thing applies to the self also. So once you recognize yourself, then that's it. You don't forget yourself, because you recognize yourself for what you are. Yes, as you say, the Dehara Buddhi or the habitual error may come in your way, and then you have to make an effort to remove the habitual error. But once you recognize yourself, the knowledge is spontaneous and therefore, no, it is not necessary for you to keep on repeating that thought in your mind in order to retain that knowledge. So just as it is not necessary to repeat the thought of a pot or a chair in order to perform vyavahara with them, and so also it is not necessary to retain the thought of the self constantly in order to perform the vritti, aham brahma, that vritti is not necessary to be able to deal with it. Like the actor when he is acting as a beggar, he doesn't all the time remember I'm actor, I'm actor, I'm actor. No. So, whenever he wants to retain his identity, whenever he wants to go back to his identity, he can go back. moment he goes to the green room, he's no more a beggar. Even when he walks out of the stage, no more a beggar. Because that awareness of the actor doesn't go away. It doesn't require a specific effort to retain that awareness. <coughs> and that is being said in the verse 94. Ghatado nishchite buddhihi, ghatado nishchite buddhihi, nashyatye vayada ghatahe, nashyatye vayada ghatahe, ishto netum tada shakyahe, ishto netum tada shakyahe, ichite itichet samamatmani, itichet samamatmani. Ghatado nishchire. In short, once you have ascertained what is a ghata, what is a pot, or what is a chair, buddhi nishchati eva, alright, that having recognized a chair as a chair, that buddhi of the chair thought does go away, does die down in a moment. But still, yada ghataha ishtaha netum. And still, whenever you want to do something with a pot, suppose you want to bring the pot from one place to the other, or you want to move the chair from one place to the other, tada shakya. Once you recognize the chair, even though the chair thought is not there at the moment, when it is necessary to do something with the chair, you are able to do it because you know what the chair is. And therefore, we say that it is not necessary to retain the chair thought in order to do something with the chair. We say, samam atmani. The same is applicable to the atma also. In what way? There is clarified in the next verse here. 
samam atmanidi uktamartam vivranoti that last phase nischitya sakradatmanam nischitya sakradatmanam yada pekshata daivatam yada pekshata daivatam vaktum mantum tasadhyatum vaktum mantum tasadhyatum shaknotye vahitatvavita shaknotye vahitatvavita just as it is possible to do whatever you want to do with a chair once you, once you have ascertained what a chair is and so also nischitya sakrudatmanam when once you ascertain your true self once a true and firm conviction arises as to what i am saatmanam sakrud nischitya having ascertained the true nature of the self one properly once yada apeksha then whenever you want tadaivatam vaktum mantum tatha dhatum shaknodi tatvavit then tatvavit the knower of the self is able to vaktum talk about the self mantum think about the self dhatum meditate on the self so once one has properly ascertained the nature of the self then whatever vyavahar or transaction you want to perform with reference to self is possible just as once you ascertain what a chair is then whenever you want to do something with a chair you are able to do it at your will and so also when you once ascertain what the nature of the self is then whatever vyavahara you may wish to perform with reference to self for example you want to talk about the self you want to some, you want to con- convey this to someone else you are able to do mantum you want to think about the self that also you are able to do dhyatum you are want to meditate upon the self well that also you can do satno tevahi tatvavit this is he means known this is the this is something that is well known in the scriptures and well known among the people who are wise that a wise person is able to do whatever is necessary with reference to self once a firm conviction or ascertainment has taken place then there is no need for you to retain the thought i am free i am free because you are free see when you are tied with the ropes then the thought in your mind is i am bound i am tied i am tied suppose you are untied the ropes are untied then what happens immediately the thought comes i am free suppose one one fellow is tied with a, with a pillar you know some thieves have come tied this person with a pillar and gone away so for six hours this fellow was stayed there stood there being tied with the pole then ultimately police come and then untie him and i am free now once he is ascertained that i am free at that time the vritti or the thought form takes place i am free once now he ascertained that i am free is no there is no need on his part to keep repeating i am free i am free i am free because he is free and that fact is owned up by him and therefore he acts as a free person anyway so whether he does something or does not do something does not in any way contradict the fact that he is free because he is his own self and suppose he wants to describe what happened to him or he wants to describe his state of freedom he can describe at any time he want to think about his state of freedom he can do it at any time because there is a firm ascertainment of what the nature of the self is since it is self no effort is required therefore there is no need to have to retain a certain kind of a thought this is the idea here okay om purnamadav purnamidam purnat purna
ಪೂರ್ಣಮುದಚ್ಯ